This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, we have our special guest, Lauren Sanford. And we are really excited about this interview because... Uh, watching his YouTube videos and just getting to know him, reading his book, listening to his CDs. This man is on fire for God, full of the prophetic word of the Lord. And and, and Lauren, you come from great stock, uh, John and uh, Paula Sanford, who are pioneers in the charismatic renewal and prophetic ministry and inner healing. You had quite the upbringing. Yeah, sometimes it was like uh, growing up in a free fire zone. <laughs> days. In the early days, people didn't understand all that stuff, and they took all, they took a lot of attack, and we felt it. You know, things that are really well accepted now weren't so well accepted in the 1950s and 60s. Now, uh, tell me, what, what was your parents' ministry? You know, what was their main uh, emphasis? Well, their main emphasis in the early days, my father was a pastor for 20 years. He developed a lot of this stuff while he was a pastor. Uh, in local churches, and then began to, you know, to travel. In uh, 1973, I think it was, he started Elijah House, and um, uh, it was it was initially started as a prophetic training school, and um, part of that was the Malachi Four mandate, the restoration of the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the children to the fathers. But um, it uh, the, the inner healing thing kind of took over because that was that was the need of people. And so now today, Elijah House is largely a, uh, a counseling center and a, a training center for people who do counseling. And I think there are now a dozen Elijah Houses around the world. And I know that has touched many, many lives. He, they are an amazing ministry. Now, uh, Lauren, when you were growing up, you, you say that you were attacked by demons in the night and some crazy stuff happened uh, at the, around the age of eight and nine. What, what was going on? Actually, it started before that. One of my earliest memories was when I was—I um, must have been a year and a half old. Wow! And uh, uh, there was this great—that uh, this pressure came on me. I was like I was being smothered, and and I, I couldn't speak. And and there was a, a like a dark cloud around me. And my parents, um, at the time, they hadn't been baptized in the spirit yet. My father had graduated from a liberal seminary. They knew nothing about the demonic. And I can still remember them talking about what's wrong with Lauren. Do we need to take him to the doctor? And uh, then when I was about seven years old, um, my father had decided that he couldn't live with what he was trained in in seminary. They taught him not to believe. Wow. And so, yeah, very liberal seminary. And so he decided that whether he could believe the Bible intellectually or not, he would have to decide, you know, to do it. So he decided he would believe the Bible. And it wasn't long after that, it, he woke up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues, didn't know what was happening. Wow. And, um, yeah. So an Episcopal rector friend laughed at him and then explained it. And after that, he learned how to deal with demons. And so he taught me. I would wake up in the middle of the night under attack, paralyzed, unable to speak, terrified. And I would call my call for my dad as soon as I could speak. I'd struggle to speak. 
And he taught me that no demon can withstand the name of Jesus. And so I'm eight or nine years old or, or younger, and I'm learning to command demons to leave. And um, that happened all the way through my childhood. And, you know, as an adult, I said, you know, Lord, why would you let that happen? And um, what he told me was that was training, that the minute anything happens to me, instantly I turn to the name of Jesus. And it has benefited me in deliverance ministry because I am not afraid of demons. Um, demons are real good at trying to make people afraid. Exactly. Particularly in a, in, in a deliverance situation. I've seen a gang of people trying to cast a demon out of somebody, and the demon is acting out, and they're all scared. And, and because they're afraid, the demon's not leaving. And I, you know, many times I just walked into the situation, told everybody, step away, and in, in, in 60 seconds it's done. Okay, and then, Lauren, in your teens, uh, in the late 60s, you started this rock group, and you were traveling, and it was becoming very successful, but uh, you have a unique experience. You had the tendency to fall asleep at the wheel, and your foot would go down on the accelerator pedal, and the vehicle would just speed up, but what would happen in that moment? Oh, yeah. I'd be driving home at like 3 o'clock in the morning from a gig in some distant place, and uh, I'd get tired, and I'd fall, like you said, I'd fall asleep. My foot would go down, and I'd go faster. And, and just at the moment when the vehicle would be just about to drive, you know, under the back of a semi-truck in front of me, I would hear my father call my name loudly, Lauren, and I'd wake up just in time to avoid the accident. Then the next morning, my father would say, what happened to you at about 3 in the morning? I, God woke me up and told me to pray for you. And so, you know, growing up, it was like whenever I was in danger, God would wrap me out. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say it like that before. That's awesome. Okay, now, your your ministry is known for a very strong prophetic influence, and I want to just start jumping into this, because your book is called Visions of the Coming Days, and your CD set it's all about the prophetic forecast for the future and the coming glory. And let's just dive right in. You had a powerful dream about the late John Paul Jackson, the prophet. Yeah, that was, um, there was a little controversy when I made some of that public. Some people thought I was talking to the dead, but uh, there's, there's precedent for this. Uh, and I need to say this, so, you know, just for the sake of our audience, um, God can send people to talk to people oh, on earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, if I initiate it, that's illegal. But if God initiates it, I mean, he sent Moses and Elijah to the Mount of Transfiguration to talk with, with Jesus. And so I had a dream. John Paul came to me in the dream, and I'm, I'm more and more just convinced it was him because it was so real. John Paul Jackson was a spiritual sibling to me because my father was his spiritual father. And he came to me with a broken heart. He was, uh, I don't know how else to describe it. He was, he was nearly in tears, and he was grieving. Um, it, and it was as if he were seeking counsel or help. His grief was for things that were off in the prophetic movement, things that were wrong, and he could no longer correct it. He could no longer address it because he's in, he's in heaven. He's not here. And I felt like he was passing a mandate to me. Um, and I know there are others. I'm not the only one, so I'm not exalting myself here. But I, I felt like he was uh, passing a, a mandate to me to work to correct the things that he could no longer address. And I took that as a personal calling and a personal mandate. Um, and I took it as a mandate to the church that we need to begin to hold our prophetic people accountable. Amen. Because the prophetic movement, frankly, is a mess. It's headed for a train wreck. Um, there's, there's 
there's a sorting out going on even now in the prophetic movement uh, to reveal the genuine and discredit those who are not the genuine or who are off in some way. And there are many prophets out there, at least, at least they call themselves a prophet. Um, how, do, how does a believer know who's on track, who's kind of in and kind of out, and who's got the ear of God or the voice of God through them? How, how does one discern that? Well, let's, let's start by, by, by saying if somebody's charging you money for a prophetic word, shut them right down. Ooh. That's, there's a lot of people doing that. Don't listen to them. You know, the second thing is, are they speaking from the Father's heart? Is this, is this the God we know? Is this a Father who loves us? You know, is this, um, is this the Father who holds us in His arms? Is this the Father um, whose love is incomprehensible? Is, is, does this fit that? And another, but another thing is fulfillment. But it's not just, you know, it's not just the fulfillment of prediction. We, we get hung up on prediction, but the Greek word is pro feimi, pro forth pay me to speak. Um, I take my cues from Jeremiah 1.10 to, to uh, uproot that which is not God and to uh, plant that which is, to tear down what's not God and to build up what is. And so there are two kinds of fulfillment. One is, does the prophecy come to pass? The second is, do the words spoken produce the effect that God intended? Um, are they edifying? Does it strengthen the body? Even if it's confrontation, does it strengthen the body of Christ. It doesn't always have to be encouraging. It's not always encouraging to get confronted with your sin. But any genuine prophetic word, even in the confronting of sin, will include hope. Right. You know, it's like it's like Jeremiah confronting Israel with their sin and saying judgment is coming, but God's going to rebuild your battlements and he's going to rebuild your city and, you know, it's going to, your stones are going to be set in sapphires, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there's hope even in the confrontation. So these are some of the ways to, to sort it out. Do you believe that God, for lack of a better term, is raising up a new breed of, of prophets? Yes, I do. And I believe that there's a, a different heart. I, 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 I've lately been in contact with so many of these younger guys. They're usually 35 and under. And um, Jeremiah Johnson and I call them the, the Micaiah Company. <laughs> Uh, and they just have a different heart for God. You know, it's not like they're out to build great ministries. They're not trying to, you know, create a great following that's personally loyal to them. They just want to represent Jesus. There's a, a pure heart for Jesus. And I'm hearing some really accurate words coming from them. Um, you know, one of the big tests is that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And that's another test, by the way. If it doesn't if it doesn't enrich your connection to Jesus, probably shouldn't be listening. And these guys are really pointing to Jesus. There's a heart for Jesus. There's a purity. And and I'm hearing accurate words coming from them. Whereas I've, you know, most of my life, 90% of the prophetic words that have been spoken over my life have never come to pass. Wow. It was from a lot of leading names. Wow. There's a, there's a different spirit in this in this coming generation. There's a different heart. And some of us are called to father them. Um, and there's a lot of them passing away that have made that have made great contributions to the body of Christ. But there's some older ones like me. I'm 66 years old. Uh, that God said you get to stay, and your mandate is to father this coming generation. But to do it in a humble way, you know, it's like these guys. Um, 
Jeremiah Johnson, for instance, he calls me his um, his his prophetic father. But uh, he's having a much greater impact on the world than I am. We just had uh, Jeremiah on recently, and you're right. He he and he's not afraid to say it. You know what I mean? He he says what the Lord is telling him. What would you say right now? I just feel led to ask you, so people listening can just grab this. What would you say to those who are really learning uh, to develop their prophetic gift, and I- internally they may feel, I, I really, really may be called to be a prophet. And, and you know, what would you say to the up and coming prophetic uh, men and women of God that God is truly ordaining them to be a prophet? That's a huge question. People come to me all the time, and they say, how do I know if I'm called to be a prophet? And I say, you don't have to know. <laughs> you, you really don't have to know. Don't ask the question. Just just seek intimacy with God and speak what he tells you. And if people call you a prophet, fine. But don't get caught up in that. Don't, you know, don't, don't, don't get swept away in that. There's a danger there. You know, it's like even myself at this point in my life, I don't think of myself as a prophet. I think of myself as a pastor. And people call me prophet sometimes, and uh, so I'm telling them, you know, relax about that. You know, you don't. If, if matter of fact, I tell people, if you want to be a prophet, you are certifiably insane, and you need to get <laughs> <laughs> because you are going to the wilderness, and you are going to be in that wilderness. Um, you're going to hurt, and uh, and hang on that cross until you are dead, dead, dead. Um, you know. And here's another piece. I don't think that you develop a prophetic a prophetic gift or any gift. A gift is something you receive. What you develop is your character. That's right. That's and, right. and through, the, through a developed character, through a refined character that looks like Jesus, then the gift comes through more cleanly. But a gift isn't developed, because I, I don't own it. You know, it's not my gift. It's the, that's why we say they're the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I don't like to think I ha- that I have or own any gift. I have Holy Spirit. They're His gifts. And uh, I want my character to look like Jesus so those gifts come through cleanly. Well, that is very refreshing to hear somebody uh, say what you just said. Now, now, kind of shifting gears a little bit, and you, you are prophetic, you are a prophet, and you, do, you have had many words come to pass uh, through the years. And um, before we go to break... The Lord has shown you some negative, some positive, the coming glory. And, uh, you know, there's not everything is always going to be roses. And like you said, uh, but you have seen natural disasters increase. And we have seen the recent volcanic eruptions in Hawaii. And so that word that you gave is already becoming, uh, that word that you gave is already coming to pass. So what is the Lord showing you about these natural disasters? Well, what the Lord has shown me about these natural disasters, um, and, and maybe maybe this is my Native American background coming through. I'm I'm a member of the Osage Nation, uh, coming from my father's side, and uh, Osages, Native Americans, and actually Hebrews did not think of the Earth as an inanimate object. It's a living thing. It has a consciousness. That's why the rocks would cry out, right. the trees clap their hands. That's why in Romans. Uh, Romans 8, you get the whole creation groans with eager longing, Absolutely. revealing the sons of God. That's that's not figurative language. And uh, so what I say is that the earth can no longer bear up under the accumulated sin of mankind and is beginning to react. 
and uh, this is why we. It's not even the. It's not even the judgment hand of God. The earth is reacting mm. to the accumulated sin of mankind, and so we're seeing weather disturbances. You know, droughts and fires in California. We're seeing volcanoes. We're seeing earthquakes accelerating. And I think it's. And and actually, if you look to Matthew twenty four you will find Jesus saying these this is the beginning of birth pangs. In other words, Jesus is Jesus is coming. The kingdom of God is is going to be birthed in an unprecedented way and earth and the whole creation is in labor to bring that forth. I've never heard anybody say it quite like that before. You're you're saying that natural disasters are are not necessarily the judgment of God, but but creation groaning, and and it's it's you know you almost get that uh, a vision of it like pulsating and trying to give birth, and and so you're you're calling it more the groaning uh, more than the judgment of God. Yeah, well, you know, for instance, um, if you look back to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, look at the way the earth reacted to the crucifixion. That's right, and the earth reacted to the resurrection. You know, there was an earthquake and a storm, and, and it was an earthquake that rolled the stone aside. And, uh, you know, the, the, the earth reacts to what we do. Um, it's, uh, Western theology, Western philosophy says the earth is this inanimate object, but that is not a Hebrew way of thinking. And that's not, for instance, you know, out of my Native American background, that's not uh, a Native American way of thinking. This uh, this earth is, is is real. I mean, it's a it's a it's it. I'm not saying it's conscious like we are, but it's conscious. There's a consciousness. No, I get it. I I, I like that. I that that makes a lot of sense. Now, now, Lauren, as we go to break here, you wrote a book called Visions of the Coming Days, which is very powerful, very direct, very uh, eye opening. Uh, tell me about what that book is going to do for people and what it has. Uh, the kind of impact it's already had on people. <laughs> John Paul Jackson wrote the foreword, and one of the things he said was, "It's like Lauren is trying to waken a sleeping bride with an atom bomb." <laughs> so, yeah, I wanted to prepare the body of Christ for what's to come. The book is not about storing up food, you know, and running to the hills to you know be a survivalist. It's not that at all. It's really uh, spiritual preparation for how to deal with what's coming. And uh, so I talked to—actually, what I prophesied in the book was that we were going to see um, a resurgence of racism in this country, for instance. And since then, we've, we've had the riots after the Trayvon, uh, you know, Martin thing, and we've had uh, riots over other issues. We've had a lot of racial tension. Racial hatred is, is resurging in, a, uh, in, a, in a, I think, a catastrophic way. Um, we've seen the acceleration of uh, earthquakes and, and, and things. I, I talked about a in, in the book, for instance, I talked about a, um, an upsurge of demonic manifestation that comes from our sexual perversion and our increasing drug use, especially marijuana. And uh, I think we're beginning to see that as a as the you know the shootings and the uh, you know school shootings and shootings in businesses have accelerated. And I'm talking about how, how the body of Christ responds to that. And, uh, I, and I say basically that this is our hour to shine. The Amen. Gets darker, and the world gets darker, and we shine. This is where we manifest the love that draws people to redemption. And this is literally, uh, for those who are listening, this is a prophetic guidebook 
that reveals what to look for in the coming days. It's it's a powerful, uh, very direct book. It will really minister to you deeply. Now, Lauren, you also did a three-CD set for us called The Prophetic Forecast for the Future. What does this CD set contain? Well, I talked talked about a lot of things. I, I talked about, uh, you know, what, what it would take for Trump to have a second term. Um, and if we don't do what it takes, he may not have a second term. I talked a bit about uh, what's happening in the Middle East. I, I, I talked about the significance of moving the embassy to Jerusalem. I don't think we can possibly underestimate that. No. We're living currently in a, in a period of, of favor. I mean, whatever you think of Trump, um, one of the things that I, that I said in the series is God deals with his people according to their relationship with him. And when I say his people, I mean the church and Israel. He deals with the nations according to how they treat the church and Israel. And the, 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 we're, we, have a, we have an administration right now that's favorable to Israel, and the moving of the embassy to Jerusalem is incredibly significant. And so, you know, because of that favor, we are living in a period of favor that we need to use. We need to use it to get out of debt. We need to use it as a time for revival. We need to use it as a time to bear our witness, because there will come a time when that favor lifts again, this era can't last. I think we can pray for it to be extended. We need to pray for Trump's uh, character to be formed, um, specifically that he would really learn about some proverbs, you know, like <laughs> make knowledge acceptable. Exactly. <laughs> you know? uh, now, now, Lauren, you also did, and, and we really appreciate this. And, the, and you at home, you're going to really appreciate this. You did a bonus CD called The Coming Glory. What, what is that uh, going to do for people? Yeah, well, what I, what I believe is that before the return of the Lord, we're going to see an outpouring of the Spirit that exceeds Pentecost. Um, Amen. There, there's, a, I, there's a thing I call prophetic perspective. Um, you know, in the Bible, you get multiple fulfillments of a single prophecy. Um, uh, prophetic perspective lays the, the present the uh, near present, the distant—I'm sorry, the, the present, the near future, and the distant future, all on the same Photoshop frame, blends them all together. And so if you look at um, Joel 2.28, and then you look at Peter's sermon, for instance, where he said that this is the fulfillment on the day of Pentecost, where he said this is the fulfillment um, of Joel 2.28, then it, and you compare them, not everything happened on the day of Pentecost that happened in Joel 2.28— and what that says to me is there is yet another fulfillment to come that completely fulfills that prophecy. And when I read the book of Revelation, I, I see even in the midst of accelerating trouble, I see a tremendous movement forward of the gospel. I see a tremendous um, outpouring of God's, uh, of God's Spirit coming, and I see a harvest coming in those last days um, that we need to get ready for. We need to be ready to receive the greatest outpouring of the Spirit since the day of Pentecost. I mean, it's it's. We just need to anticipate. We need to ramp up our hope. We need to we need to ramp up. The, you know, for signs and wonders, we need to see that coming. And uh, yeah, so. Well, that's the kind of language we like to hear around here: the glory and the signs and wonders, and because we know that great things are about to happen. Now, when we come back, we're going to have Lauren talk about the vision the Lord gave him of the four sticks. You're not going to want to miss this. We'll be right back. 
Call now and get Lauren Sanford's Prophetic Outlook Package, which includes his revelatory book, Visions of the Coming Days, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching, Prophetic Forecast for the Future, plus his bonus audio CD, The Coming Glory. This is an exclusive package for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9554. In his revelatory book, Visions of the Coming Days, Lauren Sanford reveals the heart of the Heavenly Father and the hope of glory for the body of Messiah, even as the world around us continues to spiral out of control. Lauren has discovered a parallel between the days of the prophet Amos and what is happening on earth today, a rejection of the Word of God, a focus on self-centered prosperity and riches, unrepentant. The judgment that came upon Israel in the days of Amos the prophet could happen now if we do not turn back to God. This is not a prophetic book of gloom and doom, but shares about the coming outpouring of God's Spirit and His glory that will usher in a season of signs, wonders, and miracles like we have never seen before. Through his three-part audio CD teaching, Prophetic Forecast for the Future, Lauren lays out the prophetic outlook for 2018 and beyond. Questions will be answered like, what is the prophetic significance that exists as a result of President Trump moving the United States Embassy to Jerusalem? Will Donald Trump continue to be president for a second term? Lauren reveals three essential kingdom keys that help you benefit from this special season of blessing, favor, and increase. On his bonus audio CD, The Coming Glory, Lauren reveals that the glory of God is coming upon the church in such a way where healings break out without anyone laying hands on you. Included are Lauren's decrees and anointed prayers for you to receive your healing and so that you will be a partaker of this coming outpouring of God's greater glory. Don't miss out on getting Lauren Sanford's Prophetic Outlook Package, which includes his revelatory book, Visions of the Coming Days, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching, Prophetic Forecast for the Future, plus his bonus audio CD, The Coming Glory. This is an exclusive package for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9554. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9554 or log on to sidroth.org. Call or write today. We're back with Lauren Sanford, and we're just talking about God and the prophetic move that's coming and and what the Lord wants to do on this earth with you, with me, with Lauren. I mean, I'm telling you, things are about to increase for the people of God, and we need eyes to see, ears to hear. And Lauren, the Lord gave you a vision of the four sticks. Take your time and just share with the people at home what that is all about. Yeah, it was December 5th, 2016, right after the election, in the midst of all the, you know, controversy over Trump getting elected. And uh, we were in a prayer meeting for our church. Our intercessors were gathered. And uh, I had a vision. And I don't, you know, God, usually I just know things. I don't usually get revelation through visions. And so when I get a vision, I pay attention. So I had a vision of what looked like four sticks standing up. And the fourth one had begun to bend. Um, first three were strong. Fourth one began to bend. And I said to the Lord, what is that? What are you trying to, you know, what, what are you saying? And what I heard was this. He said, you have four years in which to shine. Tremble before me. You have lost the art of the tremble. Shake as I have shaken you. And uh, 
the interesting thing was I had just come through an earthquake in my own church. My son and I working things out. My son's my co-pastor. So God was shaking us. And I understood on the tremble part of it, I understood that it, that we've got to quit. We, we, we have to quit treating God lightly. We've lost the fear of God. That's right. What we've had is this warm, fuzzy teddy bear in the sky, you know, who just, all he does is love and he never punishes anybody or anything else. We've completely forgotten that, you know, that, that, that exhortation in Hebrews where he says he treats you as sons and every son whom he receives, he scourges in order that we might share his holiness. And uh, so he's a disciplining God. He is still a judge. He is still the king. You know, it's a fearful, it's a fearsome thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He's the God who expects to be honored. Um, he's awesome. You know, he has a thundering voice from heaven. And we've had all this very good preaching on the love of God, but we've had very little preaching on the fear of God. We ought to be afraid to sin. Oh, that's God good. Is still the judge. He is still the loving disciplinarian. And so on the, on the four-year thing, um, I knew that we, as, he, as the Lord spoke it to me, I knew we had three and a half years uh, as a window in time, actually four years, but three and a half before it began to bend. And, and I believe it was a time that might never come again in which favor and release would be given to God's people. And it would be a time when there's less pressure on Christians, because through the Obama years, we saw the erosion um, of favor on the church. We saw an erosion of our—I mean, we saw an attack on our Christian liberties. During this period of time, there will be favor upon us. There'll be more opportunities to speak and be heard, because whatever else you think of Trump— he is favorable toward the church, and he is favorable toward Israel. Yes. At this point, as we do this interview, we have maybe two and a half more years left of this. And I believe that, that this is a time that the body of Christ has got to wake up. I am convinced that the majority of the body of Christ is still sound asleep. Passion is burning at a very low level. We must use this time. We must use. We have to use it as a time for lives being changed. We have to use it as a time for people coming to know the Lord. It's a time to lift up our hope. It's a time to get passionate about worship, about uh, talking to other people about Jesus. There's been a cultural shift that's happened. Twenty years ago, if you walked up to somebody in the marketplace and said, "Can I pray for you?" they would look at you with an angry face and walk away. Right. Today, you walk up to somebody in the marketplace and. And you say, you know, you look kind of, you look kind of tired and heavy there. You know what's going on in your life, and they're happy to tell you. You say, "Can I pray for you?" They say, "Please do." Mm. Um, you know, there's been a cultural shift, and we have got to use it. Um, there's an uptick in the economy coming during this period of time. We're already seeing it, um, and I believe that a lot of Christians are going to see a, a breakthrough on the economic front that we've sought after and prayed for. My wife and I have seen it. We've struggled for years. We've always lived on the edge. But all of a sudden, we have some freedom, and we're using it to get out of debt. It's time for us to get out of the self-centered need for things and begin to lay up a reserve because we're going to be called, we're going to be called upon to help others and one another when this season comes to an end. I would also say that um, I don't believe that most prophecy is set in stone. I think the Lord tells us things so that we can pray often for change. If, if I may interrupt you there, Lauren, I, I was going to actually ask you that exact question in the first segment. So 
you know, keeping in mind what you had um, really addressed about prophets that are missing it, keeping that in mind, if somebody uh, is a legitimate prophet and they give this word that da-da-da-da is going to happen and, you know, but if we pray, can we can we really bypass a judgmental word by prayer? I think we can head things off by prayer. And, and let, me, let me make this differentiation, because um, I just taught this in a class. Um, prophecy is spoken and is almost always conditional. If you look through the prophecy right. in the Old Testament, right. if you repent, then this disaster can be avoided, for instance. Or you know, if you change your ways, blessing will come. And so in prophecy in its purest form, cast light on the future. But there's another thing that we call apocalyptic. People confuse it with prophecy. Apocalyptic is like the book of Revelation. In apocalyptic, the future is absolutely certain, and it's to give hope to God's people. And so it's like the future, which God has decreed and established, then casts light on the present. So there's a difference. Um, but in where we're living right now, you and me, um, God can give a word either so that the future can be changed or so that the body of Christ can prepare for it. And uh, I believe that these periods of time that I'm talking about can be extended by prayer. Back in 2010, the Lord told me we had five years to prepare for whatever kind of a collapse uh, was, was coming. And uh, I took that, you know, five is the, is the symbolic number for grace. And I took that as a, a figurative period of time uh, a period of grace that could be extended by prayer. And we are now, in my opinion, living in an extended period of grace for God's people um, because intercessors raised a cry to the Lord. Um, so we, we can pray for an extension of this. We can pray for the shaping of Trump's character. This four-year thing that I saw in the, in the sticks, that's not set in stone. The, the three-and-a-half-year mark is the next election. And if Trump is not reelected, we're going to see, I believe, we're going to see a progressive liberal backlash um, that's really going to damage uh, the country and uh, come against the body of Christ. So we need to really be praying for this uh, second term. Yes. Right now. <laughs> yeah, but the key to that is to pray for Trump's character. Yes. You know, I understand on good authority that he's a relatively new Christian. Yes. Uh, and, and new Christians need to be discipled. But it's very hard for anybody to get anywhere near him now that he's in the presidency. So we really need to pray. Now, Lauren, in this uh, shift that you're seeing, the Lord gave you another vision of healing oil covering a field. What did the Lord show you about that? Yeah, I was actually praying for my own church, and the Lord just gave me a vision for his desire for, for the body of Christ. It was like it was like um, healing, anointing oil, lots of it, thick, being poured. Kind of, kind of the image from Scripture of the oil coming down upon Aaron, you know, and running down on his beard and down on his clothes. And by the way, we, we do little splashes on people's foreheads, you know. But if you're really getting anointed with oil in Scripture, they, they take about a gallon of it right. all over your head. Right. <laughs> so, so I saw this oil running down upon us, upon us as people, and then spreading out into the world. And, and, and as I interpreted that, I thought, you know, we ought to be so radiant with the presence of God that wherever we go, people feel it. You know, it was, it was very much like Peter, that when his shadow would fall on people, 
and and they'd be healed. You know, and I and I believe every I believe every one of us can have that kind of a thing where, you know, we we, we walk into the, uh, the grocery store, to Costco, or wherever it is, and wherever we go, that radiant presence of God touches people. Now here's and here's the other piece of it: that um, light exposes darkness. Scripture says, "Holy Spirit convicts, not us." Holy Spirit convicts. And so there are a lot of things right now that the world, people of the world in this culture, they think are light. They think they're good. But when exposed to the purity of what really is light, as that would radiate from us, then lies are exposed to be lies, and darkness is exposed to be darkness. And then without us having to say any kind of a judgmental or condemning word, people people say, I want what you have. And uh I see that happening, you know, across the board. We have something better to offer, but it has to it has to come from exposure to the light. You know, people came to Jesus who were sinners not because he confronted their sin, but they came to him because they they sensed forgiveness and love in him. You know, that's why a prostitute basically could come and 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 pour a um, and pour an alabaster vial of perfume on his feet that would have cost a year's wages. And Jesus loves her. She was drawn by the mercy and by the light. He never had to say, you're wrong, um, to draw her to repentance. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they're crying about everybody's sin. You know, you're all horrible because you don't follow the law like we do. And they didn't win anybody. And Jesus, they were the, the Pharisees were the only people that Jesus was hard on. Right. So this is this is the kind of oil I'm talking about. I want to walk into a room and have people say, what is it that, what is it I feel coming from you? Now, Lauren, you have a book, Visions of the Coming Days, a three-CD set, prophetic forecast for the future, and a bonus CD, The Coming Glory. Everybody at home, you need to get a hold of these resources because he lays out clearly what, what is now, what is coming, and how you need to prepare for the days that are ahead. It's a very hopeful future for those who say Jesus is Lord. And then when we come back, I want Lauren to share about the coming glory, the outpouring of God's Spirit, and how you can begin to prepare for the coming days. We'll be right back. Are you prepared for the prophetic events about to take place in America, Israel, and the world? Lauren Sanford is internationally respected for his prophetic integrity, accuracy, and insight. Now he reveals detailed, biblically grounded prophetic vision concerning the future. Are you ready to be used by God for the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit and God's glory the world has ever seen? These days that are coming are the most glorious days the body of Christ has ever seen. I believe there's a there's a movement of the Spirit coming that will actually be greater than the day of Pentecost, and we get to be part of it. Call now and get Lauren Sanford's Prophetic Outlook Package, which includes his revelatory book, Visions of the Coming Days, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching, Prophetic Forecast for the Future, plus his bonus audio CD, The Coming Glory. This is an exclusive package for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9554. In his revelatory book, Visions of the Coming Days, Lauren Sanford reveals the heart of the Heavenly Father and the hope of glory for the body of Messiah, even as the world around us continues to spiral out of control. Lauren has discovered a parallel between the days of the prophet Amos and what is happening on earth today, a rejection of the Word of God, belief in 
lies and false doctrines, a focus on self-centered prosperity and riches, sexual immorality, unrepentant. The judgment that came upon Israel in the days of Amos the prophet could happen now if we do not turn back to God. Military defeat, economic collapse, restrictions on religious liberties and persecution, an increase of natural disasters, volcanoes, earthquakes, drought, fires. This is not a prophetic book of gloom and doom, but shares about the coming move of God stemming from the Heavenly Father's love that will cause a powerful outpouring of God's Spirit and His glory to usher in a season of signs, wonders, and miracles like we have never seen before. Through his three-part audio CD teaching, Prophetic Forecast for the Future, Lauren lays out the prophetic outlook for 2018 and beyond. Questions will be answered like, what is the prophetic significance that exists as a result of President Trump moving the United States Embassy to Jerusalem? What is next on God's prophetic calendar concerning Israel, America, and the world? Is there any hope for national unity? Will Donald Trump continue to be president for a second term? On this dynamic CD set, Lauren reveals three essential kingdom keys that help you benefit from this special season of blessing, favor, and increase. On his bonus audio CD, The Coming Glory, Lauren reveals that the glory of God is coming upon the church in such a way where healings break out without anyone laying hands on you. Included are Lauren's decrees and anointed prayers for you to receive your healing, to walk under an open heaven, and so that you will be a partaker of this coming outpouring of God's greater glory. Don't miss out on getting Lauren Sanford's Prophetic Outlook Package, which includes his revelatory book, Visions of the Coming Days, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching, Prophetic Forecast for the Future, plus his bonus audio CD, The Coming Glory. This is an exclusive package for our It's Supernatural audience, yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9554. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth, It's Supernatural, P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9554 or log on to SidRoth.org. Call or write today. We're back with Lauren Sanford, a, a prophet, a man of God who's really encouraging us to really get into a place of prayer, intimacy with God for what is ahead. It's a hopeful future, and God has so many things to show us. And, and Lauren, you have a powerful teaching uh, that we're even offering in detail uh, for the people at home about the three keys for walking in blessing. Yeah, and I'll try to condense it. There, there are um, the three keys, and I'll just outline them quickly. The, there's got to be a hunger for God that, that we actually, in some, place, in some ways, we have to choose it, to choose a hunger for God. Second thing is a hunger for one another. The third thing is a renewed hunger for the Word. So under the hunger for God, that we're going to have to seek intimacy with God. I mean, it's time for us to shift. The cloud of glory has moved. It's moved from remedial Christianity, uh, you know, where we're all seeking to be healed and touched and all that kind of stuff. Um, and God will still do that because we always, you know, we'll always need healing. But it's shifted from that into what I call kingdom Christianity, where we're focused on intimacy with God. We're focused on reaching out. We're focused beyond ourselves to establish the kingdom in this earth. So. The heart of that is seeking intimacy with, with God. And at the heart of seeking intimacy with God is, I believe, a renewal of worship. It's got to be deep. It's got to be passionate. Um, I do a section on, on uh, Revelation 14 uh, where you get a picture of the 144,000. 144,000 is a misunderstood number, but 12 times 12 is 144. That makes 
that makes this representative of the whole body of Christ. So you get 12 patriarchs and 12 apostles. The number 1,000 in Revelation is simply symbolic of a lot, and they're described in some specific ways. They, it says that they sing a song that, that only the 144,000 can learn. The 144,000 are deeply committed to God. They're the same group that you see in, Reve- in, in Romans 8, um, the, the sons of God, um, who, who, who conform to the image of Jesus. So first, they have this song that only they can learn. This is a renewal of worship. It's a renewal of the passion of worship. They, it says there's no lie in their mouth. So they are people of absolute integrity. And it says that they've not defiled themselves with women. That doesn't have—it has nothing to do with women. It has to do with Israel always being identified, um, frequently being identified as an adulterous woman when they've compromised with idolatry. So these are people who are fully devoted to God. There's no compromise in their life. And they enter into a, a, a renewal of worship. It's going to include, it's going to include a, a rush of creativity— I believe it's extended worship. In my church, if we worship for an hour, that's short. Usually it goes an hour to an hour and ten because we're going to pursue it until we can move, until we get a breakthrough into the presence of God. I believe it's a lie that, that the world can only handle three songs, and so we're going to truncate the worship service to one hour. That's the seeker-sensitive thing. God bless the people that are doing it, but on the other hand, we're not going to get the breakthrough into glory with just three songs. We pursue until we come into the presence of God, till there's a breakthrough. And when that happens, I see God healing his children in the context of worship. And we've had a number of those. We've had, um, I mean, I could tell a lot of stories, but, you know, one guy had 15 years of very painful ulcers, a lot of scar tissue. He was scheduled for a surgery. In the midst of worship, I just, I'm a worship leader as well. And in the midst of worship, I had a word of knowledge that God was moving and healing. And if you felt a touch in your body, just receive it. Well, the Holy Spirit flooded him and he went for his pre-surgery gastroscopy the next week and found that there was no evidence that he'd ever had an ulcer. He was totally healed. We had another guy that was, that was blind in one eye because of diabetes. He was afraid of losing the other eye. Holy Spirit came on him in the, in the midst of worship. Again, there had just been a word of knowledge that there was going to be there was a healing in the house. We didn't even we didn't even break rhythm in the in the in the song that we were doing. And he felt the flood, and he was feeling kind of sick that day. He felt the Holy Spirit hit him and flood him. His sight came back in that eye, and when he went back to his ophthalmologist, he was he was twenty twenty vision in that eye, and that was better than it was mm. before he lost the sight in that eye. These kinds of things will happen when extended worship is valued and only God gets the glory because you can't say some superstar put on a show. Right. Um, worship is not just the, the song set to warm up for the sermon. It's the main event. It's the sacrifice. We come to sacrifice. And then I also say that we, we, we need to get back to prayer. We need to get back to cultivating a life of prayer, both, both corporately and, um, and individually. So I'm talking kind of fast through this. The hunger for one another. I'm convinced that if we're not hungry for fellowship with one another, we didn't get the Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit carries the heart and character of the Father. He desperately loves people. And so if we're not hungry to be with other believers, then we need to stop kidding ourselves that we saw, that we got baptized in the Spirit. What happened after the, the, the baptism in the Spirit on the day of Pentecost was Acts 2.42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
and everyone was feeling a sense of awe and signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. There's a false word masquerading as prophetic that's being perpetrated in the body of Christ, that somehow God is done with the organized church, you know, people pulling away from church and stuff. If you heard that, that's a lie. That came from the pit. Amen. God's plan, the center of God's plan has always been his church. He will never change that. He has called us to walk together, and if you're not hungry to be with other people, you're not walking in revival, and you won't be able to participate in this. And then finally, hunger for the Word. You know, the, the, the two least attended meetings in any church today are Bible study and prayer. Um, I remember during the Jesus Movement, I, I came out of the Jesus Movement, and I remember that everybody was hungry for the Word. It was the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. Now everybody wants an experience. Everybody wants to just, you know, have an experience, and and we're not rooted in the Word. The Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It changes us when we take it in. But Bible studies become the least popular activity in the church today, and so we have no grounding. We have a generation of Christians who are biblically illiterate. And uh, we've got to come back to that. That's got to change if we're going to be ready. You know, we can't, we're running around doing signs and wonders, but we don't know what the Word says. That's dangerous. That leads to delusion. Um, and then what I say is if you get one or more of those three things out of balance with, with, with the others, we lose. Uh, if you're only in the Word and you're not in the Spirit, um, you're going to end up in legalism. You know, if you're only into fellowship, and, and that's, you know, you patting yourself on the back for how loving you are, um, you're headed for shipwreck. I mean, I could go on with that, but I, I know we're, we're limited for time, but... That that's the outline of it. If we're going to get ready, we've got to cultivate those three things. Hunger for God, hunger for one another, and hunger for the Word. And this is what I love about your ministry. You're, everything that you just said there, you're preparing us for what's to come. And, and you're, you're, you're like the ship, the, the, the church is like a, a, a large ship that's kind of rocking back and forth. And the Lord is using you to just study that ship so we can get back on course. And that your ministry is all about that. And we love that. And and talk a little bit more before we get into preparing for the coming days. Talk a little bit more about what the Lord is showing you for the coming glory. Oh, the coming glory. Um, well, we've talked about the signs and the wonders coming. I um, part of it, I believe, is God is God is kind of gradually retiring the star system. Um. And let me give a little history to that. I remember when uh, I, I was deeply involved in the in the Toronto Blessing, and for 14 years I was actually on the International Input Council um, out of Toronto for the church affiliation that came out of it. And I remember in the early days, it was all about God. I mean, you went there because God was there, and frankly, the teaching was boring, and the worship was not so good, and the sound system was terrible, <laughs> but God was there, and right. it came because God was there. And then it, it gradually, over time, a shift happened, and all of a sudden, people were coming because um, Heidi Baker was going to be there. And, and don't get me wrong, I love Heidi Baker to death. She's awesome. You know, you ought to go to her meetings and listen to her. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying anything about her. I'm saying about I'm talking about a shift that happened. Heidi's going to be there, so we we got to be there. Or Bill Johnson's going to be there. We got to be there. And so now, all of a sudden. Everybody's sitting in their chairs looking forward and wanting the person on the platform to do something amazing for them. Whereas in the early days of the revival, man, I got prophetic words from a bunch of nobodies whose names I didn't even know, and they were good. 
Mm. He had hundreds of people ministering to hundreds of people. It was it was absolutely amazing. Um, I believe God wants to bring that back. That uh, you know, people have talked, for instance, about some uh, with Billy Graham having died. That there's going to be one or two who will rise up to take that mantle and carry that forward. I don't believe that. I don't believe we're. I believe the superstar thing is over. I believe that the new thrust of evangelism. Is, is given to the body of Christ. It's going to be an army of nobodies just radiating into the world. This is the glory. You know, God intended from the beginning to give the power for signs and wonders and winning souls uh, and, and all that. He intended from the beginning to give that to every believer and uh, uh, that every believer would experience that glory. Uh, but <laughs> we've got to learn who we are. You know, we've got to learn what he's given us. And um, I know I'm talking kind of fast, but that's some of what I see coming. Uh, I see more signs and wonders happening in, in, in the street. But we, the problem with that, I see a lot of people now in the street ministering signs and wonders in the street. What's missing is we somehow have to get them connected with the body of Christ. Absolutely. Happening. Yes. I don't see a lot of that happening. And part of that is that the church has developed a bad reputation. Um, the coming glory, in the coming glory, we're going to have to clean up the reputation of the church. We have a we have a reputation for being judgmental. We have a reputation for being angry. The world sees Christians as dangerous at this point. Um, you know, they think we hate everybody, and we've earned that. But we, um, and part of it is that we think we live in a Christian country, and we don't anymore. We haven't been a Christian country for a long time, and the approach has been that we're trying to call the nation back to. Um, you know, back back to what we once were. I think that's a faulty strategy. It makes us sound judgmental, shrill, and hateful. We need to pick up the strategy of the early Christians under the Roman Empire. They had no illusions about what that government was. And you don't hear them. You don't hear them in the history. You don't hear them crying out against the immorality in the Roman government. It's just not there. What you see them doing is loving and loving and loving and loving. 165 A.D., the plague of Galen hit Rome. Families would, would uh, if somebody got sick in a household, the Roman families would throw them out in the street so the rest of them wouldn't get sick. The Christians, by contrast, formed, I call them posses. They formed posses to go through the streets looking for the sick to take them in and care for them. Wow. And uh, it was that kind of love. I think it happened again in the mid-third century, and the Christians did it again. They won the Roman Empire by loving, not by crying out against how awful Rome was. They, they did it by loving. So we need to change our strategy, and we need to change our tone in the coming glory, because the glory comes through in the heart of the Father God, loving people and loving the worst of people. Um, that's how we win, not by crying out against sin. It's, it's like the body of Christ is trying to bring conviction to the world when that's not our job. You know, the, Jesus said very clearly that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. It's our job to love and to trust. Do we trust? Do we trust that the love of the Father and that the light of Jesus Christ will reveal darkness? And when darkness is revealed, then people will be convicted and repent. Do we really believe that? That's what the Word says. But I don't think we do because, you know, we, we've earned this hateful reputation because we're trying to do a job that belongs to the Holy Spirit. We're usurping His authority. But so, authority is love. 
it sounds like to me that we just got to get back to the Bible. Yes, we do. <laughs> and, the, and the spirit of the Bible, you know, not to read the Bible uh, as if we're looking for a, a legal system of rules, but to look for the heart, the heart, the principles. Yep. You know, well, how is the, that was Jesus' complaint with the Pharisees. They had the law, but they didn't have the heart. They missed the love in every line. Lauren, would you just pray for the people that are listening, just just what you're talking about, that we begin to get that heart, that we begin to be hungry for the what what you see prophetically, uh, how we need to change and and move in that direction. Yeah, you know, Father God, I know that you're quickening people with this all across this nation and the world uh, because I meet them. I meet them everywhere I go. Lord, I thank you for the. I call them the remnant, Lord. I thank you for this group of people that I meet in the places where I go to speak whose hearts are so pure and so hungry for you. They just want you. They don't want the hype, and they don't want the false, and they don't want the legalism. They're moral people. They want the purity with you. They want your heart. They want to be like you. They want to be transformed. And so, Lord, I'm praying for those who have begun to feel that call, and I'm saying, Lord, light that fire. Light that fire in them. Honor, honor what they've honor what they've been saying to you. Honor what their hearts have cried for. And Lord, let that fire burn so hot that it just causes a forest fire, that it draws others into it. Because Lord, I know there are people, there are people all around us who are looking for something real. They've seen the hype, they don't want it. They want a genuine experience of you. And Lord, you're raising up an army. You're raising up a, a remnant, not a not an angry angry army, not a warfare army, but a loving army, a remnant who can gather those people in and adopt them into the family. Lord, I pray for an anointing that we would adopt sinners and unbelievers into the family, that we treat them as family, so that they'll become family. That we would treat them as if they believe, so they'll believe. That's. I, Father, I just ask for that anointing. Let there be an anointing of glory, of peace, of love. Let there be a fresh understanding of your heart flowing through us. Lord, let it transition from Father God loves me to Father God loves through me. Lord, I trust you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our special guest, Lauren Sanford. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special offer. Would you like to know the future? Of course you would. Lauren Samford has seen the next events on earth and wants to teach you how to prepare for the coming glory through his book, Visions of the Coming Days, his three-CD set, Prophetic Forecast for the Future, and his special bonus CD, The Coming Glory. Call now for Lauren's book, Visions of the Coming Glory, three-CD set, Prophetic Forecast for the Future, and his special bonus CD, The Coming Glory, for an investment of $35. U.S. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Lauren Sanford's book, Visions of the Coming Days, his three-CD set, Prophetic Forecast for the Future, and his special bonus CD, The Coming Glory. Offer number 9554 for an investment of $35. U.S. Be sure to ask for offer number 9554. Once again, that's offer number 
9554.